Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 4th, 2013. Newcomers, as always, please help yourself to the free audios for download at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Remember too, you also find that uh, on all the sites listed on the com site, uh, you'll get transcripts of our print-up in English. And if you go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, you can get transcripts in other languages. And as always, remember too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I depend upon you to get any kind of cash coming in here at all to keep this all going. And uh, from the US to Canada, remember to order the books or discs or donate. You can still use personal checks or you can use send cash or you can use PayPal uh, or you can use an international postal money order from the post office. And uh, remember, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome. And also in the, in across the world, you've got Western Union money grant and PayPal once again. Because we're going through massive times, changes are happening very quickly now. There's lots of laws on the books across the world. The United Nations is getting heavily involved now in the internet and censoring will come very, very quickly. It already is in some areas, in fact, has been. If you're politically incorrect, you're not going along with the main agenda or any parts of the main agenda. In fact, they're actually pulling a lot of sites. So even religious sites are complaining about abortion are getting pulled off. So, you're right into this big, big, big system, which is really identical for those who don't understand history. Uh, and, and most folk don't understand history at all. Uh, they don't understand that. They always, they always think history happens somewhere else, and their own history is separate. And that somehow it just stays that way forever and ever. And they don't realize that the same system that, was, that took over Russia, for instance, the Bolshevik Revolution, financed by the Western bankers, and they even trained all the terrorists to send over there, just like we're doing the same today in other countries. Uh, and the Rockefeller Foundation funded a lot of that to take over Russia, and, and they called it the Soviet system once they had it on the go. Uh, they were all disarmed, those people there, by the, the Bolsheviks. And once they did that, they slaughtered them. All the ones didn't like or who wanted independence or freedom or didn't want to go along with this totalitarian regime were slaughtered by the millions, multi-millions of them. But people think that that was then and that was there. They didn't realize that the same people who did it to the Soviet Union had the same ideologies in place in the U.S. as well and across the world because the big uh, organization that helped to put it all together including the Royal Institute for International Affairs and Council on Foreign Relations, it was all for that at the time, uh, are still on the go today, pushing the world agenda. You can never forget the past. And don't ever think it cannot happen anywhere else. Don't ever, ever think that. Because the same people who ran the Soviet system, and I've had a lot of them are granddaughters and grandsons, uh, they're over in the U.S. in powerful positions today. Don't forget that. It can certainly happen today. But Pravda, of all places, you know, all newspapers, are telling the Americans that to never give up your guns. And this guy goes through some of the history of uh, Russia into the Bolshevik Revolution. But he says that everybody had guns and so on, and they're heavily armed during the Tsarist times. And then uh, once the, the, the Reds came in, 
and managed to, to, to take over. Uh, then they simply called all those people in who still had firearms and made t- under the guise of registering, but that they never walked out of the buildings. That's well documented that they took many basements and shot them in the head. So don't ever forget for a minute that things are different or more so-called civilized today. They are not. It's the same agenda going on, and it's a world agenda. Don't forget that. And this guy says the well-armed population was what allowed the various white factions that fought against the Reds, as they call them, or these guys who came in from Germany and the States. They were called the Reds. And, uh, and as I said, they were, they were disarmed uh, after uh, the war, etc., etc., and then, then slaughtered by the millions. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about uh, Russia, what happened in Russia, and this is from Pravda, as he goes through some of their history, and how the so-called Reds, most of the Reds, as you know, didn't come from Russia. They were brought in from Germany, and um, and they weren't Germans to an extent, and they were brought in from the US, and they weren't US to an extent, and, uh, and they were sent over and heavily financed uh, by the big bankers, especially in the US and in London. And it says here that, that Moscow fell, for example, not from a lack of weapons to defend it, but from the the the, the guile, the lying guile of the Reds. Ten thousand Reds took Moscow and were opposed by only some few hundreds of officer cadets and their instructors. Now, of course, of course, uh, as I say, they eventually killed them all. They slaughtered that whole bunch of them because they wouldn't give up their weapons. And it says, of course, being savages, murderers, and liars does not mean being stupid. And the Reds learned from their civil war experience. One of the first thing they did was to disarm the population. From that point, mass repression, mass arrests, mass deportations, mass murder, mass starvation were all a safe game for the powers that were. And, and when I was reading that, it reminded me of, of a lot of articles I've seen and old footage I've seen as well. Because what they did then too was to take, take out the farmers in Russia. And it reminds me of what's happening across the Western world too in the Canada and the US with all their ongoing farm policies run by government. As they, they close down farms one after the other because corporate farms only will be the ones of the future. That's a big idea. This is the, the Novu uh, Soviet Union, you understand, for the whole world. And some of these farmers did have weapons, general shotguns. You can see them holding off these, these uh, soldiers. Of course, they were blown up eventually, but they, they thought it was worth dying for it. Hold on to their, all they had. That's all they had, you know. And apart from that, they were probably killed if they gave themselves up anyway. But there was forceful starvation. If you think forceful starvation will not come, you better think again, because I've said at the United Nations that food has always been used as a tool in war. And believe you me, they'll use it again worldwide now that five corporations have the world's food supply in their hands. This is a, an updated form. This is a more superior form where, where the Soviet system was supposed to go. It's running as all now for those, who hasn't, for those who haven't caught on to it. And it's run by the same people. And it says that um, to this day, uh, with the Soviet Union now dead 21 years, with a whole generation born and raised to adulthood without the SU, Soviet Union, we're still denied our basic uh, and traditional rights to uh, self-defense. Why, he says, we're told that everyone would just start shooting each other and crime would be everywhere, but criminals are still armed and still murdering, and too often, especially in the far regions, those criminals wear the uniforms of the police. Now, again, 
have you seen the police, especially in the States recently, and in Britain too, for that matter? They're not police anymore. They're, 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 they're paramilitary organizations. They're dressed like the military. They're trained like the military. It's just the fact that anyone would start shooting is also laughable when statistics are examined. For President Putin pushes through reforms, the local authorities, especially in our vast hinterland, do not feel the need to act like they work for the people. They do as they please, a tyrannical class who knows that they have absolutely nothing to fear from a relatively unarmed population. This in turn breeds not respect, but absolute contempt and often enough criminal abuse. For for those of us fighting for traditional rights, the U.S. Second Amendment is a rare light in an ever-darkening room. Governments will use the excuse of trying to protect the people from maniacs and crime, but are in reality, it is the bureaucrats protecting their power and position. In all cases where guns are banned, gun crime continues and often increases. This is as for maniacs. Beat nuts with cars, such as New York City, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, swords, such as in Japan, or knives in China, or homemade bombs everywhere. Insane people strike, and it's true, they'll always strike. And in Britain, uh, not too long ago, a guy was just uh, found guilty, a taxi driver, of running down a bunch of guys he had a tiff with in his car. So he ran them all down. It doesn't matter what you use. You know. It says they throw acid in Pakistan and in the UK. They throw fire bombs in France. They attack. What's worse is that the best way to stop a maniac is not psychology or jail or talking to them. It says it's a bullet in the head. In other words, they're crazy. That's why they are a maniac, because they're incapable of living in reality or stopping themselves. The excuse that people will start shooting each other is also plain and silly. So it's our politicians saying that our society is full of incapable adolescents who can never be trusted. Then please explain how we can trust them or the police who themselves grew up and came from the same culture. And that's a very, very good question to ask. You understand, look at the, I've got articles here from all the failed SWAT raids where they raided the wrong places and shot everybody. There's just too many to count now in the States. But many of the things he's talking about are already, understand you've got to understand how to put things together in the Soviet system as it was brought in, what happened in its horrific history. The countries they took over as well, because they were all for world government as well, remember? <laughs> and and how they slaughtered and starved Hungarians and Ukrainians to death by the millions. And they took all their seed off them and left them to starve, while they sold the grain abroad for more cash. That never, they didn't go to the people, by the way. It went to the top creeps that had taken over this whole system. These foreigners. Don't forget that for a second. And even for the ones shouting for confiscation, etc., in the U.S., you better look into their histories, because many of them are descended from the people who took over Russia. For those who haven't looked into their history of them, you, should, you better start looking now into your histories very quickly. And... This article here too tonight on Diane Feinstein, that's interesting too where her parents came from and her whole history since, of course. But um, I'll put up the, the video where Diane Feinstein talks about the fact that she's armed and she, she's got a carry permit, but she doesn't want you to have one just like Russia. You see? So I'll put that one up tonight to that YouTube on her. And... And you'd understand as well, you'd relook at all your, your governments, your, what you think are your nations. They're not your governments at all. They've never been your governments for a long, long time. They've all been taken over. They're all on board with this world agenda. 
and they've created chaos across the planet under the guise of, of stopping terrorism. Here's an article here. It says, an Iranian lawmaker says the United States and Canada moved to take the Mujahideen a Calc organization, which is called MKO, off the list of terrorist organizations. You see, so these are classes terrorist organizations around blowing people up across the planet. And they've delisted them as a terrorist organization because they're going to use them against Iran. Who's a good guy? Who are the good guys and bad guys here? Understand? When you start using crooks and criminals and terrorists because you've got your own foreign policy, and it's not your foreign policy, it's the guys that rule over you. It's their foreign policy. And it says the move by the Canadian U.S. government to remove MKO off from the list of terrorist organizations is in line with the Western country's support of this group in order to use its remaining members for achieving their meddlesome and aggressive political and economic objectives in the region. Mohammed Hassan Asafari, a member of the Majalis uh, Parliament National Security and Foreign Policy Committee, said Friday. He said the group was nurtured by Washington and added the U.S. government's terrorist nature in the region requires that it financially and military support terrorist groups like the MKO, Taliban, and Al-Qaeda. And it's true. We've been, our tax money has been funding so-called terrorist organizations, including the one who supposedly was responsible for starting all this 9-11 stuff to the present time. We're funding them with money and weapons and using them to take down other countries. you got to question everything now. Everything. Asafari said that Iran will reconsider its political, economic and cultural relations with any country that would shelter the group, adding the MKO members must be extradited to the Islamic Republic. On December 20th, Canadian government removed the MKO from its official list of terrorist organizations. Ottawa's move was followed similar by similar measures by the U.S. and the, the EU Parliament. The U.S. formally removed it from its list of terror organizations on September 28th, and European had taken the MKO off its blacklist in 2009. The MKO was responsible for numerous acts of terror and violence against Iranian civilians and officials. The group fled to Iraq in 1986, where it received the support of Iraq's executed dictator Saddam Hussein and set up its camp near the Iranian border. Out of the nearly 17,000 Iranians killed in terrorist attacks since the victory of the Islamic Revolution in 1979, almost 12,000 have fallen victim to the acts of terror carried out by the MKO. The group also sided with Saddam's during Iraq's eight-year imposed war against the Islamic Republic. It's also known to have cooperated with Saddam in suppressing the 1991 uprisings in southern Iraq and the massacre of Iraqi Kurds. So our governments are backing these guys. It's not our governments, as I say, though, is it? Understand, your, your governments were gone a long, long, long time ago. And you're following almost an alien agenda here. I don't mean from outer space either. And in the Washington Post, it says the three European men with Somali roots were arrested on a murky pretext in August as they passed through the small African country of Djibouti. But the reason soon became clear when they were visited in their jail cells by a succession of American interrogators. U.S. agents accused the men, two of them Swedes, the other a long-time resident of Britain, of supporting al-Shabaab, an Islamist militia in Somalia that Washington considers a terrorist group. Two months after the arrest, the prisoners were secretly indicted by a federal grand jury in New York, then clandestinely taken into custody by the FBI and flown to the U.S. to face trial. So this is... Rendition is still on the go, folks. And um, they go on to what's happened to these guys since. So 
the, the US is, is kidnapping people, no matter, even in Africa, you know, one country, the next is grab them, fly them out, kidnap them, and, uh, and often that's the last that's heard of them. And you're supposed to support an honourable government like that. When a government has no honour, it's evident. It's only not evident if you've been brainwashed by, especially the media and entertainment, because entertainment works as part of the military-industrial complex. Now, we also have um, Madeleine Albright, I think it was her granddad, her dad, a granddad, who was an awfully good friend of Stalin, who said that he would set up the Green Party uh, and when the Soviet system would change and merge with the West, this Green Party would push the, and use environmentalism to push through all the communist techniques. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and talking about the Green Party and its foundations and so on. And that was the, they knew, you see, they'd have to change the tactics to bring in a bigger world under for communism without knowing it was communism. And the techniques to do it was just to get power over the peoples of the, of the world through their governments by getting into governments and then stressing, save the environment, save the environment, and all these kind of things, which eventually comes right down to individual taxes on you, individual inspections of your home, etc. You're going into communism in a, in a sense that you didn't even realize that this is what it's all about. And, in fact, they used that technique in the Soviet Union. Everybody had to go and work in the fields, except the Politburo's children and so on. Uh, to get in touch with Mother Earth and all that, just to, to kind of appreciate where food came from, etc. Because they wouldn't see much of it if you're a peasant in the future. You certainly appreciate it. But it says, Oxford professor says, Greens are in denial, just desperate to believe in renewable energy and obsessed with climate change. You see, climate change is part of this whole green thing, see. Uh, it's the same stuff as they used in the Soviet Union. When something sounds nutty and crazy, and, and what's it got to do with global warming, etc.? There's a different agenda at work here. That's why it sounds absurd. And, and there really is a massive agenda at work. You, you understand this. Not the topics they're giving you. In the Soviet Union, near its, at the end, the taxi drivers in Moscow and other cities were only allowed to do so many kilometers per month by law. And they had to eventually uh, jack up their cars and, and turn their wheels back to get the odometer to go back, to change back their kilometer mileage, you know, their millimeter, uh, in order to get gas. Otherwise, Moscow would have come to a standstill. There's, there's videos up there with the guys talking about it at the time. Mass, they're mad to see the top. And they want to drive you mad as well. Because when you're mad, you start to wonder about your own, your, your own common sense and your own, can you trust yourself? Am I mad or, or I just can't get what they're really driving at? So it must be my fault. This is a technique to make you lose confidence in yourself. This is Benny Pizer, I'll let's just see the excellent feature story brought to you by the UK Spectator on the wildlife devastation being wrought by climate friendly wind, wind turbines. This is a story that just goes to show how little environmentalists thought these things out. No, they thought it all out. They didn't care about killing birds. Uh, they're not really environmentalists. That's just the front. Wind turbines don't produce that much electricity. That's number one. 
Number two, they run on an average only about 20% of their rated capacity. Number three, their lifetimes are, run, are turning out to be only half of what was promised. Number four, they're turning the landscape into a panoramic eyesore. Never mind the noise it creates. It drives all the wildlife away. Except the birds just fly right into them. Now we see they're killing birds and bats by the millions. Recall how environmentalists like to think they're intellectually superior to everyone else and that they rarely make mistakes. At worst, they only have to adjust their ideas at times. This assumed intellectual superiority is what drives them. Actually, it's a cultural thing. This is almost inbred with them. Well, now it looks like they've got some major adjusting to do with their thinking, but I suppose this windmill carnage will be too much for them to cope with, and so they'll go on denying it and act like they're rescuing the climate. How can we expect them to understand the complexities of climate when they can't even think more than one step ahead? We saw the same pattern of behavior with the communists and their economics. Did they change course except for China? Because we funded China and created China, by the way, modern China, the West did. It says they all obstinately stayed in acute denial until everything around them collapsed. Except the same, uh, expect the same from the Cook Green drugged up on climate protectionism, European governments and media. Now they've already said at the top, and many of the top players in this whole climate thing, that they don't care about the, the science being bogus. They don't care. This is for redistribution of wealth and control over the peoples of the world. This is what it's for. I've read the articles here from their, their own quotes before. And this is what it's all about. They don't care about killing birds. They don't care about, the, about bankrupting you, paying for all this stuff, because they work with the bankers. It's all one big happy family. It says, Clive Hambler writes, and, and it says, Though I started out neutral on renewable energy, I have since seen the havoc wreaked on wildlife by wind power, hydropower, biofuels, and tidal barrages. It says, The environmentalists who support such projects do so for ideological reasons. What few of them have in their heads, though, is that the consolation of science, in other words, facts, in other words. One has to wonder which species more intelligent birds or environmentalist cooks. I've heard it suggested that birds will soon adapt to avoid turbine blades, because we're all evolving, you know, this adaptation stuff. And all that. But your ability to learn something when you've been whacked on the head by an object traveling at 200 miles per hour is rather limited. I seriously doubt that green cooks are any more capable of learning. Well, they're not, you know. The guys at the top know it's all a con. They know the real purpose of it all. Uh, a lot of the followers know because they've been brainwashed in the schools. You see. So again, this is from an Oxford professor, Greens are in denial. And I put this up tonight. So all these articles I'll put up at cuttingthroughmedias.com at the end of the broadcast. Now, we're all just, I've said this for many, many years, we're, we're just uh, human resources and it's good that other people are picking up on that and running with it. And also that we're renewable resources. And because we breed ourselves, you see. And uh, we're just like trees and everything else. And that's why you're, when you go for a job, you go to the Department of Human Resources, you know, if, if you're a human, that is. And um, we're, we're despised by those at the top who now who truly believe there's too many of you type down below. And the majority are you types, you see. And in countries where they have a firm grip in corruption, where corruption is rampant, like India, for instance, they can get away with literally murder. And I'll come back and talk about pharma killing people over there, testing drugs on the Indian peasantry. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're talking about countries like India, where it's, corruption is so easy to get away with, and everybody at the top is in on the corruption. And the, the ones at the top in the caste system, that really look down the ones at the bottom of having no value at all, except for their value as a human resource. Again, because you're an economic unit under this world system. And your whole function is to work and produce and get tax to keep the elite very well and a very good lifestyle at the top and have all their wars and things and to hire lots of cops to keep you in your place. That's the way it is, folks. Anyway, the drug companies, of course, went into India quite a few years ago and they've been doing trials of experimental vaccines and drugs and so on and pills and on people because you can get away with it there. No one asks any questions. They tell them, they lie to the people there and tell them, we're here to help you. So they understand that's how they got inoculations and vaccinations into the West, the same techniques. We're here to help you. It's for you. Then we end up all having all these diseases down the road. We get cancers galore and admit from the SACS the trials and experiments, there was hundreds of foreign simian viruses Live viruses in every polio shot, for instance. We know also that India, parts of India and parts of Africa, uh, just last year I read the article from the United Nations World Health Organization admitting that they'd created a new kind of, uh, a new type, a new variety of polio by giving a special um, inhalation type polio to, uh, to people in India and, and Africa. And what happened was it, it rapidly altered itself, evolved, you might call it, and became a, a, something we can't treat anymore. They gave them this deliberately. Because it was cheaper, this is the claim that they gave, but they, they gave them this, this polio mist inhaler, and it ended up, ended up creating a, a new, more virulent strain of polio than ever before. In regions where they'd never had polio before. You really question everything, don't you? Anyway, it says 211 died during drug trials in India. And the, and the Times said that in 2011, some 438 cases of serious adverse events were reported, with 16 later found to be due to clinical drug trials. India's Central Drug Standard Control Organization has now proposed ways to reduce the number of problems and a new formula for compensation, the paper reported. And it says, um, compensation is currently decided according to the will of the drug company, the Times added. Previous common compensation for payments of families of people who died during trials amounted just to just a few dollars. Now listen to this. Here's how they, here's how you're weighed up in the scales for your value to society. When a 70-year-old patient who was terminally ill dies during a clinical trial due to an adverse reaction to the drug, the compensation should be less than that given to a 22-year-old man in the first stage of the same disease who dies of the same drug, the CDSCO official told the paper. The youth could be the sole breadwinner of the family and would have lived longer but for the adverse drug reaction, so the guidelines quantify accordingly who should get how much compensation. At present, both could get the same amount, and it could be abysmally low, as decided by the pharmaceutical company, the official added. But I'll tell you one thing, this official and all the rest of the officials over there are on the take from Big Pharma to get away with what they're doing. This has been going on for quite a few years now. We're all disposable, you understand. 
In some countries, it's more, it's, it's easier to be disposable because no one asks any questions. And they still don't tell the peasantry what, that they did it. <laughs> now, I've always said that celebrities are, are something to avoid to an extent. Because understanding, for instance, in Hollywood, every celebrity is given a cause. Everybody must have a cause and a favorite charity. Understand? That's traditional with Hollywood. And I've gone through the history of Hollywood before. You should read the history of Hollywood for yourselves. And uh, again, it's part of this whole uh, military-industrial complex, which is left-wing. I'm, I'm being polite by calling it left-wing. And it gives you all your thoughts and your behavior. And psychology, when they go back through history of, of even aggression in children, you understand, they, they actually say that children go through scripts. The script is how you feel and how you react at a certain time because of what you've been watching on TV. They call it your script. And as you, as you get a year older and you watch a different kind well, of stuff, more, more violence, more sex, whatever, then that becomes your new script. These are psychological terms. And it all comes from you watching television, folks. It's one of the most important things there is for controlling culture and altering culture and destroying culture. Anyway, Baywatch actresses rewire the human biology into having one-child families. This is Baywatch star Alexandra Paul recently spoke at the TEDx conference, that's a TEDx conference, calling not only for a total rewiring of the human biology to recognize the benefits of a one-child family, but also for the global human population to be brought down to 2 billion, a 75% reduction compared to current levels. Paul, who starred in over 70 films and television shows, explicitly states the entire modern-day culture should serve to convince people to rewire our biology so that the natural urge to procreate will be changed into a rational, eco-friendly one, aspiring to just one child per family. Will it world population stop growing because of famine, disease, or war over resources, or will it stop growing because people choose to have smaller families? And by smaller families, I mean one-child families. And it says, although Paul stresses that enforcing people to have fewer children does not work. She does emphasize that modern culture, listen, modern culture should be molded in such a way as to convince people that we have to change and rewire our biology and our culture to recognize the benefits of a one-child family. As a culture, we need to emphasize the benefits of having one-child family so, so they'll have fewer children. The Baywatch swimsuit star explains why she's chosen to not have children. She probably won't tell you the real reason, you know. This is quoting UN population projections. She advocates a fairly enormous reduction of humans compared to current numbers. The number of humans on Earth needs to go down, and I believe it needs to go down to 2 billion, she said. Who told her all that? She closed her anti-human speech by calling on her listening audience to take her words to heart and quit reproducing after the first child. And the usual stuff, let's be part of the solution, etc., etc. So you understand the culture industry. And they call themselves down there the culture creators. And it's true because everyone's copying what they see. Again, you have a particular persona and an insight into yourself at a time. That's actually a script you've been given by what you watch. You start copying the behavior of what you watch. Yeah. You know, you can, you, I could go through hours of psychology for you. I could go hours through it, days and weeks and months of psychology and psychodynamics for you and how it all works. But you know something? You'll turn on the TV next, the, the, about an hour later, and you'll forget it all just like that. So, go on. Uh, Zygmunt Brzezinski.
And the Washington Post says it's hoped that the forthcoming Senate Foreign Relations Committee and Armed Services Committee hearings regarding the President's nomination for Secretary of State of Secretary of Defence produce a a wide-ranging debate regarding this country's role in today's very unsettled world. The hearings almost certainly will provoke searching questions regarding the strategic wisdom of potential U.S. military action against Iran. Recently, Israeli media reports have cited a former member of President Obama's National Security Council of Staff predicting a U.S. attack by about mid-year. It's essential that the issue of war or peace with Iran be fully vented, especially with the U.S. national interest in mind. Although the President has skillfully avoided uh, a specific commitment to military action by a certain date, the absence of a negotiated agreement with Iran regarding its compliance with the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, while they keep letting the guys in check them, and I've never found anything that they're making weaponry. So it won't matter. It won't matter if they pull down their drawers and show them their asses. They're going to go to war with these people. That's on the agenda. That was on the same list of, of PNAC, the New American Century group, in the 90s. All these countries have taken out, were on that list. And that's like the, the law of Moses. It's stamped in stone. That's how it's going to be, folks. Tonight, too, I'll put up a link to the, the history of the PNAC. That's the Project for New American Century, which isn't American at all, by the way. And um, Mr. Use America by others. And I'll put that up tonight as well for you to approve. And another article, too, is to do with uh, pedophilia. And I said when Jimmy Savile stuff all broke out, and long before Jimmy Savile came along, I said eventually there'd be no such a thing as pedophilia. It'd be off the books. And that's the push that comes out of this. And if I said come out of the Savile thing, it won't be anything that you expect. Because it's not to put these guys away. Or stop it. Is to have a new look at pedophilia. Does it really harm anybody? And I'm not kidding. I, I said this years ago. Years ago. It says the Jimmy Savile scandal caused public revulsion, but experts disagree about what causes pedophilia and even how much harm it causes. You see. And it says um, there's little agreement about pedophilia, even amongst those considered experts on the subject. What, are they pedophiles or something to be experts on the subject? In 1976, the National Council for Civil Liberties, the respectable and responsible pressure group now known as Liberty, made a submission to Parliament's Criminal Law Revision Committee. It caused barely a ripple. Childhood sexual experiences willingly engaged in with an adult, it read, result in no identifiable damage. Now, I've talked to you before about these people, and what the real agenda is, is to destroy your cultures totally. All these councils and so on that look into rights and civil liberties are there to destroy your cultures, and then they become the dominant minority, folks. Because they've got rid of yours. And then they rule you, just like they did in the Soviet Union. This is the real need is a change in the attitudes which assumes that all cases of pedophilia result in lasting damage. It's difficult to day after the public firestorm unleashed by revelations about Jimmy Savile and the host of child abuse allegations they've triggered to imagine any mainstream group making anything like such a claim. But if it is shocking to realize how dramatically attitudes to pedophilia have changed in just three decades, it's even more surprising to discover how little agreement there is now amongst those who are considered experts in the subject. A liberal professor of psychology who studied in the late 70s will see things very differently from someone working in child protection or with convicted sex offenders. 
There's astonishing not even a full academic consensus on whether consensual pedophilic relations necessarily cause harms. Well, remember too, the pedophile grooms his victim to be the whore. And that's generally what they stay for their whole lives afterwards. They know this at the top. It says, so what then, uh, what do we do now? A pedophile is someone who has a primary or exclusively sexual interest in, in prepubescent children. Savile appears to have been primarily an, an ephibophile, we call it, defined as someone who has a similar preferential attraction to adolescents, though there have been claims that one of his victims was aged eight. There was more than one of his victims aged eight or below. Not all pedophiles are child molesters and vice versa, but no means every Pedophile acts on his impulses, and many people who sexually abuse children are not exclusively or primarily sexually attracted to them. In fact, true pedophiles are estimated by some experts to account for only 20% of sexual abusers. Because it's much higher that if you get away from these, some experts, you see. <laughs> see how the wording's done to, to make you start, well, you know, it's a, it's a small minority. Nor are pedophiles necessarily violent. No firm links have so far been established between pedophilia and aggressive or psychotic symptoms. And as I say, they groom them, they, they give them candy, and they tell them little stories and stuff, and they get into the little world with them, and then they start a little intrusive behavior. They can take months, sometimes years, to groom them. That's part of the what they like, is, is this grooming, you see. They get off on it. And so they don't have to be aggressive. And these experts know this as well. Psychologist Glenn Wilson, co-author of The Child Lovers, A Study of Pedophiles in Society, argues that the majority of pedophiles, however socially inappropriate, seem to be gentle and rational. No kidding, folks, they're gentle and rational people. They just leave a, a wake of hell behind them, of wrecked people. Legal definitions of paedophilia, needless to say, have no truck with such niceties, focusing on the offence, not the offender. The Sex Offenders Act of 1997 defined paedophilia as a sexual relationship between an adult over 18 and a child below 16. They've changed all that now too. It says there's much more we don't know, including how many paedophiles there are. 1-2% to of men is a widely accepted figure, but Sarah Good a senior lecturer at the University of Winchester and author of two major 2009-2011 sociological studies on paedophilia in society, says the best current estimate based on possibly flawed science <laughs> is that one in five of all adult men are to some degree capable of being sexually aroused by children. I can't doubt that. Based on possibly flawed science, don't forget that part before you address. Even less is known about female paedophiles. Actually, tonight I'll put one on some of the, the, the female paedophiles in the U.S. Because um, it has to do with the serotonin reuptake inhibitors that they've got all the youngsters on today, and a lot of the adults as well. And the list of female teachers that are on this stuff who are now engaged in sexual activity with young boys in a school is just astronomical. Astronomical. Anyway, so they know a lot about female paedophiles. A debate still rages too about the clinical definition of paedophilia. Down the years, the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic and Stats Manual of Mental Disorders, their Bible as they call it, has variously classified as a sexual deviation, a sociopathic condition, and a non-psychotic medical disorder, and few disagree about what causes it. Is paedophilia innate or acquired? Research at the Sexual Behaviors Clinic of Canada's Centre for Addiction and Mental Health suggests paedophiles' IQs are on average 10% lower than those of sex offenders who have abused adults, and that paedophiles are significantly less likely to be right-handed, <laughs> going to the eugenics all the time, to be right-handed than the rest of the population, suggesting a link to brain development. 
That's really going to be good news for all left-handed guys, isn't it? Be terrified now. MRI scans reveals a possible issue with pedophiles. White matter in the brain. Now, this is neuroscience coming into law, you understand. They've already got psychopaths off with committing horrific offences in the States and other countries by bringing, because they've got to legitimize, legitimize themselves as a science. They've got to become legitimate. And this is how they're doing it. They're getting into all these areas and say, these people can't help it. You see this bit of white matter in the brain. It might be that that's a problem. It might be, you know. Of course, 99% might not be at all. That little part of the brain. But you see that this is their, they're going to try and verify a science with very obscure facts. If they're facts at all. For that matter. So this is where we're going with it, you see. It says this is radical stuff. It's a growing conviction, notably in Canada, that pedophilia should probably be classified as a distinct sexual orientation. You understand? Homosexuals started it, you see. Then lesbians, and actually lesbians became before homosexuals and, and, and the pressure groups. And and then we've got LGBT and, and a few other ones at the end, you know, that I haven't really caught up on what they are yet. Two eminent researchers testified to the fact in a Canadian parliamentary commission last year at the Harvard Mental Health Letter of 2010 stated boldly, or boldly it says, that paedophilia is a sexual orientation and therefore unlikely to change. So it's, see, it's their rights, a sexual orientation to diddle little children. And also put up the Canadian bill uh, you see, to change all two with these so-called experts. You see, I'll also put that up tonight as well for those who want to have a look at it. So uh, eventually there'll be no such thing as pedophilia. There'll be another sexual orientation. And then uh, down the road, uh, it's true, rapists are already trying this. The same tactic. You know, well, I see, we're, we're attracted. We get excited when we rape someone. This is how it's going, folks. And the ones at the top are pushing all this because your culture must be totally annihilated. Remember, I mean, I talked so many times about the guys who came in with their particular schools of thought into the West from the East. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and just talking about pedophilia being normalized by experts, you see, who have an agenda to destroy your culture. And again, go into your history books, look at the Macy Group, look at the Frankfurt School that were brought into the US and Britain and elsewhere to destroy the cultures of the West to make it safe for other people. I'm not kidding you. If you read their own literature, they tell you why they were doing it all and they're given governmental permission to go ahead and teach this and, and change your culture through universities and so on. Still taught today. And remember, Adorno, who worked with the Frankfurt School, said that we must destroy the cultures of the West, totally down to beyond necrophilia, before we'll be finished, he said. And that's what you've got working, folks. Same agenda. And Bilderberg uh, picked EU leader Van Rompuy calls for global governance with Russia. This has been out for a few days, but... I says, well, much of the Christian, post-Christian worlds were busy rushing about in last-minute preparations for Christmas celebrations. An important event took place in Brussels, Belgium. They went largely unnoticed and are unreported. Leaders of the EU Union and Russia met in Brussels December 20th and 21st for the 30th EU-Russia summit. Did you know they had a 30th EU-Russia summit? Continuing a process of convergence and interdependence that is leading towards political, economic and social Merger. Look up merger, folks. Yeah. 
In his remark at the conclusion of the summit, Herman van Rompuy, President of the EU Council, made repeated reference to progress towards the goal of global governance, which has always been a code in globalist circles for world government. Rompuy stated, by working together, the EU and Russia can make a decisive contribution to global governance and regional conflict resolution. The global economic governance in the G8 and G20, this is communism, folks, if you don't get it. Economic governance. This is communism. In the G8 and G20 and to a broad range of international and regional issues. I would like to congratulate President Putin for taking over the presidency of G20. As a report in this magazine made times, the term global governance is an intentionally deceptive term used by political ruling elites because it's more vague and mushy and sounds less threatening than global government or world government. Hence, there will be less political opposition mounted to global governance than world government. So I'll put that up tonight as well. All these links I'll put up tonight at cuttingthroughthemediates.com at the end of the broadcast. And also... Spain plunders 90% of its social security fund to buy back its own debt from the shysters. Because that's what the shysters are running the world now, openly. They've collapsed the economies. We've paid them off with our tax money and got any further debt to them by doing so. Economic warfare is much better than anything else, you understand. And this article here too. An embassy in Kabul, it's a British embassy has installed electronic orifice scanners. How's that, folks? This how get treated down, which is used in high-security prisons in order to ensure there's no weapons inside visitors' bodies. Recent visitors to the UK embassy said they were asked to sit in an electric chair, which detects hidden metal inside the body by using magnetic sensors, the Telegraph reported. There was a big grey chair inside the guard huts at one of the high entrances, which the Gurkhas, the Gurkhas of a regiment used by Britain, said visitors had to sit on. No one could really believe it when they had to sit on what it was for, said one visitor. The British government has refused to comment on the issue, fearing that it would be forced to abandon the use of offensive equipment called the Body Orifice Security Scanner that looks up your bum, folks. And I'll come to a place near you as we go into this great world dictatorship under world governments. That's where they test it first, a different country, you see. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your gods or your gods go with you. <laughs>